0: my demo. did y'all boys not get the memo
1: welcome to another episode of the vault studio fantasy football podcast i am your host lewis glover and tonight i am joined not by one but by two guests we have jeremy brown and brad reyes they are the co-hosts of the best ball maniacs podcasts we're very fortunate to have them wake up nice and early stateside for us they're both sucking down their various caffeinated beverages at a rate of knots (laughs) gentlemen how are you thank you for joining us great man thanks for having us yeah fantastic
2: great great to be here
1: awesome awesome uh for a little uh, peek behind the scenes, Jeremy's sucking down a big big cup of coffee and and Brad being the uh, 17-year-old kid who's still fighting his way through high school is slipping <laughs> down some Coca-Cola.
2: <laughs> that's why my wife makes me uh, keep the beard I can't shave. Mm. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, actually, it really is. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so a um, little pre... Uh,
1: rundown for for what we're going to be talking about on the show today for the listeners we're going to be diving into the afc north and looking at all of the the teams and, and the forecasting for those teams for this fancy football season um but before we do that i thought given we've got some you know best ball professionals in the house and best ball is in a very well-known format here in here in australia i'd just you know love you guys to tell us a little bit about your, your podcast where you know what got you started into best ball specifically and a bit more about the format for our listeners
0: i'll start real quick because i have the least amount to say here brad's <laughs> been doing this a long time and is really good at it i'll just say brad and i had talked um i have another project called off the rails pod off the rails dino pod and uh, just just fun thing to do with a bunch of buddies and kind of vent and talk about some of the narratives and trends and Mostly bash them really, and just kind of have a good time, and just like the name uh, off the rails, it it quickly goes off the rails, and it's no holds barred. It's really not edited much. Um, and Brad and I got to talking about this, and he brought this idea of having a best ball podcast. You know, saw a niche for it, and really wanted to do it. And we we spitball for a while, and and we came up with this together. Uh, but Brad is the one who should tell you more about best ball because <laughs> it wouldn't be fair for me to. Um, explain the formats and all the sorts of things. Uh, he really has a, the, the background on this uh, summary as well. So I'll, I'll let the expert talk now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the expert gets to talk. St- okay. Well, um, <laughs> well, let's think about it. Best ball is where uh, you don't have the uh, roster management that you do in a, in a regular redraft league. Um, you know, the best uh, scorers um, automatically slot in. Um, to like your top uh, eight or 11 spots, usually depending on which league. Um, so there's no, uh, there's no uh, you know, having to move guys around into your roster, having to guess which guy is going to have the good week. Um, it's really low maintenance, and it's really good for, uh, you know, casual players or people who just really like to draft because mostly yeah. your interaction with the uh, league is going to be through the draft. You know, you draft your league, you get your players, and in most best ball leagues, you don't have trades um so it's sort of a you know a draft competition if you will if that makes
1: yeah absolutely and i think i can speak for for most people who play fantasy football that the draft is the best probably the best part of the the entire league it's so much fun building your team together it's pretty genius someone went hey let's bottle the very best part of uh, fantasy and allow you to do (laughs) that you know 100 200 times a year brad I, I heard you on a podcast the other day i forgive me i forget which one but i think you said you're approaching 250 drafts this
2: off season. Um, does that sound um, right um i'm actually up to about 270. i really just keep keep them going <laughs> i'll probably have about 400 by the time the season starts <sighs> that's a sickness man yeah it, <laughs> it, it, it kind of it kind of comes with the territory though when you're telling people you know i'm trying to tell people i don't how to be good at it? You gotta keep constantly be, you know, keep constantly involved. So,
1: yeah. Unfortunately,
2: nice. my bank account is uh, <laughs> spoken for until roughly December. You know, <laughs> nice.
0: I'm so intimidated by that. I have four, like about 40 leagues. I think 30 some are dynasty leagues, and um, just all the investment and <laughs> in time of, uh, for those drafts is pretty crazy. You know, one of one of the things that's neat too about these. Uh, best ball formats is there, there are differences between the, um, you know, the sites. Uh, some have defenses and kickers, some have bigger rosters. And so there's some strategies you can have in between. Um, I usually, I, I have several dynasty best ball leagues, and those are really tough um, it, because once you're out of it, there's literally nothing for you to do the rest of the, <laughs> the, until the, until the draft or until you trade. And it really does put a lot of pressure on you. And it, it makes trading all the more important and, and making the right deals in order to get back into um, the hunt. Uh, but yeah, once you're so far out of it, it's kind of, a, you know, not a dynasty league anymore. You know, it's almost like it ebbs and flows around dynasty. So it's an interesting wrinkle, but just best ball tens versus play draft and some of the other sites. Um, there's so many cool things that you can get into. And I know if uh, you reach out to us, especially Brad, we can fill you in on uh, so much of that and and give you advice on maybe where to start if you haven't yet
1: yeah, that sounds great. as I as I was mentioning to you guys off air, unfortunately, play draft and 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 uh, best ball tens aren't available in, available in Australia as of yet, which is which is a crying shame. but because you know I've been intrigued by the best ball format and I love drafting because I am also a fancy football degenerate. I started to put <laughs> together, put together a few just using the free draft only setup on on MFL and doing some slow email drafts, uh, that way. So I think I've, I've done six, six or seven of those leagues at the moment. And hopefully I'll, I'll put together about 10 before the, the off season's out. So if anyone is interested in those, you know, where to find me, uh, Facebook and Twitter, let me know, and we can, we can get you set up in, in one of those. And with a group of people who maybe haven't done best ball before as well. So you're not yep. feeling, feeling out of your debt. Cause it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. It that's, is. That's, that's for sure that's for sure. So that's the that's that's, that's best ball in a nutshell. On to the uh, more traditional format of fantasy football, redraft and the AFC North. And just from a high level perspective, the AFC North this season is just going to be a wild division for fantasy football. Like just just top top to bottom there is so many fantasy implications coming out of this division. Uh I, I'm happy to start with any one of the four teams. Uh, if you know, if you guys have a preference of where you want to, want to kick things off, we can we can do that. Or I'll just go from the top of top of my list.
0: Yeah. Either way, um, Brad, you want to talk about any team in in particular
2: first, or? Well, I know if that you and I have our preference, we're going to talk about the Browns first because we're both Browns fans. We live in Ohio. It's kind of yeah. so yeah, biased. Yeah, a lot of bias. This this this, this show is gonna be all about how the Browns are gonna win the uh, win the Super Bowl. No, all right? Well, okay. you're thinking bigger than I am. I just wanted to win the division for once. <laughs>
1: Well, since yeah, since you've we've got, you know, you guys are both Browns fans, both Browns homers, let's kick things off there because possibly the team that's undergone the biggest transformation as well in the AFC North, and just so many fantasy implications for this team, so many fantasy relevant players on the roster. And let's start with the with the guy who's looking to turn around the fortunes of the entire franchise, and that's that's Baker Mayfield. I mean, just a phenomenal rookie season. Obviously, he came in and set the rookie record with, I believe it was 27 touchdown p- passes. Taking Peyton, Man- taking Peyton Manning's yeah. record, uh, and it's, you know, in a couple less starts as well. So thoroughly impressive performance, especially when you factor in that he was carrying the weight of Hugh Jackson around his neck for for some of those <laughs> games as well. <laughs> so exactly. So I reckon we should just round it up to a a nice thirty touchdowns for the rookie record, because quite frankly, Hugh Jackson definitely cost them a few. Yeah. <laughs> so (laughs) obviously the hype about baker mayfield is just is getting out of control for fantasy this season his adp reflects that but just from a you know for adp aside what do you think about his, his fantasy implications or fantasy outlook for for the 2019 season
2: well, as far as his silencing outlook, I love it because he throws accurately down the field and he gets a great target in uh Odell Beckham Jr., who I I mean, I can't even believe the Browns landed a player of that caliber, really. This, you know, you know, somebody in the middle of their prime started with a different team and got traded to the Browns. And it's, you know, been the best thing I think that could have happened to the franchise as far as that uh wide receiver core. Yeah, why wait? I mean,
0: the thing the thing about it is they saw that, you know, the, the leadership there finally seems to be on the same page, you know, like any good business, they they seem to have a business plan, be on the same page, ha, you know, have a short-term, long-term forecast. They agree on the direction the team should go, including how they're building the offense. They saw, you know, that they had, I guess, lightning in the bottle, so to speak, and um, decided to, to maintain that. Why wait to try to get a wide receiver one on the team? They, they knew they needed to really get something going at wide receiver. They had a, a lot of young talent, which, you know, probably will develop fine. Rashard Higgins is pretty, uh, amazing. Um, I keep hearing someone breathe in the microphone. <laughs> I thought it was me at first because I'm kind of <laughs> half awake, but it's not, <laughs> um, just, uh, someone might need to mute, but, um, you know, they have Rashard Higgins is like their third wide out, you know, in three wide sets right now plays all over the field. Um, is really uh you know kind of undervalued i guess but they have him they have antonio callaway they they have some components for future um wide receivers and you know callaway was just a rookie and then to bring in a true wide receiver one that can be that for the browns as well as in fantasy football with a quarterback like brad was pointing out as accurate and can throw down the field and actually maybe just get the ball in the hands of Odell Beckham Jr. instead of Eli Manning underthrowing, overthrowing, not throwing at him, seemingly, um, and just really underutilizing that. I think we're going to see the true potential of OBJ. So, definitely exciting there. Uh, the one thing that I, above all, that I see this season for the Browns to, that stands out to me is their schedule. I don't really put a lot of faith in uh, strength of schedule because it's just there are too many variables. It's relative to everyone else in the league, everyone else in the division, it fluctuates. It's not something that I focus on. But I do look at who they open the season with, you know, um, and I believe, yeah, it's the Titans, right? The Tennessee Titans seemingly has been a pretty beatable team. Um, And I I know they're going through some changes, too, but they've been inconsistent. Then they're at the New York Jets. We know what's going on there. Adam Gaye's coming in. Definitely an opportunity for the Browns to beat the Jets early on, especially with this transition. They'll probably be still struggling trying to find their center. Uh, Then the Rams come into town. That's a game that, you know, maybe, um, you know, that could go either way. Um, I think the Rams are definitely a stronger team right now. Then they're at the Baltimore Ravens. That could work either way early in the season, playing your division rival at San Francisco. Uh, I think that's a winnable game. Seattle Seahawks come in. I, th- I also think that's a winnable game. Then they have a bye right before they go to New England. Probably lose at New England because Bill Belichick seems to be smarter than every other human on Earth. Um, <laughs> then they go to the Denver Broncos. Another, I feel like, winnable game because, again, changes to the coaching staff. Who knows if Flacco's going to be playing quarterback? Maybe it's Locke no faith in him to win a game if he is playing um, that neither early in the season.
1: Needed Vic, this Vic uh, Fangio to see the quote, <laughs> quotes come out uh, yesterday. Uh-uh. He's not a quarterback yet. He's a guy with a fast pitch, and we've got yeah, to turn him true. into a quarterback. Like, wow, that's not a ringing endorsement. For the <laughs> it's coach.
0: not. We've seen lots of quarterbacks like that with the big arms. Brandon Whedon was one, a recent case, a little older quarterback, but plenty of guys have come into the league with rockets for arms, and then you have, you know, Lamar Jackson throwing 49 miles per hour, and that's seemingly like, you know, good enough. I mean, and he's not a great pastor either. But then the Buffalo Bills come in. That's definitely winnable. And they don't play the Steelers until week 11. So if if they kind of set the tone and become a good team over the course of the first part of the season, getting into week 11 with the Steelers, then they have the Dolphins transition offense, transition team. Then they go back at Pittsburgh. So if they didn't beat them um, at home, then they get another shot at them. But that's week 13. You're talking about the end of the season at Pittsburgh. Cincinnati comes in. Week 16, Baltimore comes in. Then they go to Cincinnati. They have all those, you know, four of their divisional rivalries at the end of the season. So if they're really peaking like we think they are, that's the perfect time to take four teams right out of the AFC North uh, playoff race, if there still is one at that point. And also week 15 at Arizona Cardinals. Really don't know how how great of a job Cliff Kingsbury is going to do with that overall team. Uh, I'm sure the offense is going to be slinging the rock everybody expects that but i'm just saying as i look and kind of dissect how this season could go i really think the browns could finish this season i mean even 12 you know 12 and 4 10 and 6 at worst i think and 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 really i don't feel like i'm being overly optimistic based on last season and and maybe win this division i think there's a real good chance of that so um, anyway
1: yeah I, I i i think the browns are, should be favorites to to win the division, particularly if you look at last year as as two distinct seasons because there was so much change. And yep. then you add in the additions to the team. They've strengthened on both sides of the ball. They've brought in experience at the, uh, you know, Offensive and defensive coordinator positions, which I think is huge with the first-time head coach in, in Freddie Kitchens. Absolutely, and and I think you'll see the you know the improvement of, of Baker Mayfield as he gets you know more confident and comfortable in his role as as leader of the team. So everything's pointing up. And I'll just go back to something you said about plan, uh, you know, planning for the future and and for now as well. And it really feels with this Odell Beckham trade, the Browns have pushed their chips into the middle of the table for this season, next season, whilst mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield is still under that manageable rookie contract deal. And they said, you know, we've got our guy for the next 15 years, but right now we have the opportunity that while he's still talented, but raw to surround him and put him in the best situation possible to help us win. And, you know, with all of the move that moves that they've made in the off season, uh, offensively and 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 defensively, it seems that the Browns, are all in for if not 2019, certainly 2020.
2: Yep, absolutely, man. And yeah, you really need to to surround the uh, cheap quarterback when you get a chance. I think that in the NFL, that's huge. You know, major importance there. Yeah, rookie deal. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, because we. Uh, the second, it, it's time to pay <laughs> Baker Mayfield. It's, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback of all time, the yeah, highest paid could, player yeah. ever at the position. Right? I mean, that's, that's so. going to be that's, that's, that's where we're trending. Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes will get there a year, may, a year or two oh. before him. I've lost, I've lost track. But, but yeah, a yeah, couple it, years ahead of him. A yep, couple yep. years ahead of him, I think. By then, with the way the cap keeps shooting up, Baker Mayfield is probably going to be the first, you know, three hundred million dollar quarterback, something like that. He's going to be a, a very very wealthy boy and just very excited to see what see what he does you know everyone knows all all the stats by now about how good he was in terms of uh, once Freddie kitchens came in he was second in the nfl in yards per attempt first in deep completions second in deep attempts per game and fifth in the nfl in completion percentage on deep passes i mean Odell Beckham might not even be in his prime yet. He's only 26 years old, and he's played with a lame duck arm quarterback for his entire career. I mean, this is... We we might see a stretch of play over the next two or three seasons that shatters records. So I'm really excited to see what that can bring. So obviously, we're all very excited about Baker Mayfield. Are there any concerns for you guys about the health of Odell Beckham? Because, you know, he has only... He's only completed one 16 game season. He's actually played fewer NFL games than Sammy Watkins. So, you know, he's his his health has been questionable at times. Do you think it's been bad luck or injury prone or a, a bit of the combination of the both?
0: I'd say probably both. I, I'm comforted by in the fact that Antonio Callaway is backing him up and pretty competent receiver. He showed last year in his first season that that he can play the same role, maybe not quite. As good at that role, but um, you know, and he, and he is still raw in many many respects. He's only playing that one position so far on the outside, but um, you know, I don't know. It, it's probably a combination of luck, um, and um, he does play pretty physical for not being a you know a big strong you know f- physical specimen of a wide receiver, right? He I means more of an average sort of wide receiver makeup. Um, but yeah, I just think that maybe that luck changes for sure. Uh, nothing was really working well for the Giants. So this should definitely, <laughs> definitely be at least a better environment for, we, for us to see his prime. And like you said, 26 years old, 26 to 29 is kind of that window where, where wide receivers peak. That's their, you know, their prime years, as they say. And, and we're, we're going to see that, you know, right at the start, hopefully for the next three years.
1: Absolutely, I want to move on to one of my favorite receivers in the entire NFL, uh, as Jarvis Landry. And last yeah. season, last season, everyone thought he was going to really break out as that true wide receiver one, and it, it was on track when when Todd Haley was there and he was getting, you know, fed all over the field. And then that changed with the with the regime change. What are you know? What are your takes on Landry for the season? Because there seems to be. As as they want to be on fantasy Twitter, some division on what to expect for Jarvis Landry this season. I think he's going to have a a, a, you know really good year. I think he's going to be able to go back to doing what he is does best. It's Mm -hmm. moving the chains, being a great slot receiver, incredibly reliable hands, and going making those tough contested catches over the middle of the field. But you know others are concerned that the volume isn't going to be there for him. Where do you where do you guys fall on Landry?
2: Well, I think the volume might open up for him a little bit with OBJ. I and mean, he's also great injury insurance for OBJ. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you talk we go back and we talk about, you know, you know, not being able to complete seasons. Yeah, that is an issue with uh Odell Beckham. But um, you know, Jarvis Landry is a very good slot receiver. Um I could see him sucking up, you know, at least 70-80 targets even with a healthy OBJ yeah, absolutely. And the thing with it is too, that Jarvis
0: Landry can play all over the field. I mean, he's a very adaptable receiver, willing to do anything. He's always going to be out there because he's not a liability in the game. and he, and he's going to be out there primarily this season. as the slot receiver, they're not going to use him as much on the outside. Uh, and they don't and frankly, they don't need to. They have enough receivers that can play on the outside. They can use him at what he's been good at and demonstrated every single season. I'm not worried about his points. Um, I think it was between one point five and two PPR um, a game was the decrease when kitchens came aboard, you know, like, you you know, a couple of points and, and, you know, that that's definitely not something to worry about with a player like Landry, who's demonstrated success over and over. And I I think he's going to be one of those things that kind of makes the car go. Um, I don't expect as much out of the tight end position as some people do, um, with the receivers, but like Brad alluded to, I think the presence of Odell Beckham Jr., the healthy, um, the healthy competition between those two guys who happen to be best friends on top of everything else um and and eager for each to be successful but hoping to one up your buddy you know on game day i think that's just going to be such a great synergy for the browns offense that maybe people aren't talking about a lot oh hey yeah they're best friends i think that's going to work in the browns favor drastically
1: yeah i mean they're best friends and they've been playing together since <laughs> since high school Crazy, man. Yeah. It's just incredible (laughs) for them to end up at this place in their careers together. Uh, You know, drafted in this, they were drafted in the same year. They, uh, they both, they both went to LSU just like, it's just an incredible story. And yeah, I really hope it it pays dividends on the field because I have uh, quite a few Jarvis Landry shares in various dynasty leagues. And I've been, (laughs) I love them too, man. Yeah. I mean, I've been scooping up in a a few best balls and Antonio Callaway actually is someone I've been, been targeting quite, quite heavily in the few best ball drafts that I've been doing. And he's going to be one of my later round targets because I think he's going to have some great flex, flex upside on 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 certain weeks. And as as uh Brad, I think you mentioned incredible insurance for for Odell Beckham as well. Or maybe it was sorry, mm-hmm. I forget who mentioned oh, yeah. that.
0: Well I got but. him in the Scott Fishbowl too. And I and I was hoping he'd be there for me in those later rounds because yeah, the insurance part, but you know, they're definitely going to work him in the offense here and there too. And he's one of those guys that can just, you know, one big play. And there's your points that week, you know, he's in your best ball lineup. Uh, hopefully he wins my week for me in the Scott Fish Bowl because I haven't <laughs> had good luck the past few years in that. I don't know why. I feel like I draft OK and I just haven't had the best of luck. I've been the Giants for sure in that. Um, but it's so cool to be a Browns fan. I just have to say now that they're getting players. Well, I've already already liked Jarvis Landry since college. He was somebody I played Devi. De- a lot of debbie leagues and he was somebody that i wanted the browns to draft when he was a rookie of course they didn't they drafted someone that's probably no longer in the league but you know landry beckham jr um njoku nick chubb uh, baker mayfield getting all these talented players that i actually like and want to see on sundays i mean it's like i finally uh, i took
1: the bag off my head and finally <laughs> came to the stadium again you know it was fun i i am a browns fan hear me roar yes they roar a lot too (laughs) that's awesome so uh, quickly touch on a couple more names that you brought up there david njoku again this is this for me it's volume concerns in in terms of where he's being drafted but you also want to have players uh, you know associated with great offenses and he's a potential to snag a touchdown every every second game because of his his size and athletic ability so He's a, he's a risky tight end for me uh, and he he falls in that sort of midway point where you haven't gone all in on one of the you know top 5 tight ends but you don't want to completely punt the position either and so I always I almost feel like it's a bit of a no man's land with David and Joku at the moment uh, have you guys noticed any sort of trends with this ADP uh, have you been grabbing any any David and Joku shares
2: Well, as far as David and Joku goes, um, I look at him as more of a stacking uh, option. If I'm stacking the, uh, the Browns offense, I don't look at him as a standalone player, um, you know, he's got some potential, like you said, to score touchdowns, but it's really hard to, to predict touchdowns. I'd like to see a little more volume and it just looks like that volume is trending toward OBJ and uh, Jarvis Landry, right?
1: Yeah. And you mentioned stacking there. Uh, and I'll go, go back to when uh, Jeremy was running through the schedule. And some, my, my ears picked up when you said in week three, the Rams are coming to, uh, coming to <laughs> Cleveland. And I'm not a huge DFS guy, but I'm trying to get into it a little bit more and more. And I, I uh-huh. will be for sure this season. And that matchup just screams... Uh, DFS goodness and get uh, all your uh, players
0: in one game yeah exactly (laughs)
1: exactly and get a stack like Mayfield to to Njoku could be you know could could be nice especially if Njoku starts the season a little little quiet isn't involved much his price could could be depressed for 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 week three if they are if they're you know updating their prices quickly um, but yeah, very much a touchdown dependent option, I think, for for Injoku this season. Yeah. Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, I think he's gonna have a phenomenal season. Just, I, I'm really excited to see what he's gonna be able to do. He's not. He's probably not gonna face many stacked boxes. I think he's a competent pass catcher as well. Is this narrative mm-hmm. going around that he can't? You know, he's not a great receiver, and as soon as Kareem Hunt's eligible to come back, there goes his passing work, and I just don't see it. I think Nick Chubb is a a legitimate three-down back.
0: Yes, I agree with that. I think the thing that's cool about Chubb, first of all, this offense with a really good, strong offensive line that can open holes, and then he was one of the league leaders at one point. I I don't remember how he finished, but he's right at the very top after they finally integrated him into the offense at yards after contact. So in addition to having, you know, decent running lanes and, and, a you know, a good running game, he's got that going for him, too. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. He finishes as one of the top three, you know, um, running backs in um, total points this year, especially in like standard leagues. And he's he's a value at that because he's not being drafted as a top five running back right now, you know, and he could finish like that. Um and I was going to say, you know, everyone talks about how Evan Ingram is going to have this great season now that OBJ's not playing for the Giants. Uh, every time OBJ's out of the game, he seems to do better. It, it seems like everyone's expecting him. And Ingram's ADP is up there. I think I'd I'd rather for cheaper have Najoku because I, I just really don't see much of a difference between the two of them. And and yet we're talking about Najoku with his touchdown dependency and, you know, maybe game game script dependent thing. He's going to be good for best ball, but maybe not other things. It's like your backup tight end i don't see him as he's a value too compared to like an evan ingram who maybe or maybe not does what people expect as a top five tight end which i don't see
1: right brad any any anything further to add there or should we uh should we move no on?
2: I'm, i think we can move on i think we covered chubb pretty much um my only thing i guess i would add to chubb is i'm on team um kareem hunt picks up some of the volume after a week eight, but I mean, well, I mean, is it week eight that he comes back? I mean, he's got he's eight suspended games, games, then week right. nine, but he can't train right. the team. He yeah, can't.
1: Come the so everyone's sort of penciling yeah.
2: him week 10 is the week that he gets. Yeah. He, he's going to be maybe a third down option and he's not going to take away too much from uh Shub. But, you know, once you start chipping into somebody's uh passing attempt, you know, passing a yardage exposure. Yeah, it does mm-hmm. get a little dicey, you know? You know, that last half of the season, I got to, I got to do, do have to wonder a little bit because Chubb's volume looks like it's going to be through the roof the first half of the season because uh, they don't have anybody uh, really to back him up because it looks like they're going to move, uh, you know, Duke Johnson. So no. we've got a roster full of uh, question marks after uh, Chubb. So Chubb looks like he's in line for a lot of great work at the beginning of the season, at least. I think he
0: can handle it, too. Uh, I really think he's that kind of back. He showed you know, in college that he he's definitely able to play on three downs and probably will be that in the NFL. But there are backs that they try to make three down backs and bell cow backs that really aren't cut out for it. Chubb's got the size, the speed. I mean, he's a freak. He really is. And I don't think he gets talked about enough. And I look no, he forward to him. And I hope he-, he has a
1: great year yeah. yeah he doesn't get talked about as being a freak because he unfortunately tested at the same time as saquon barkley you take him out <laughs> the equation <laughs> and everyone yeah. is just yeah. everyone is just going absolutely nuts over you know <laughs> over uh over nick chubb it's like i can't i can't can't name a specific time that it's happened, but I, I, I'm i pretty sure you know Olympic events have happened in like track and field where the world record has been broken by the person who won the race and the person who came second yeah. as well, and no one cares about the time of the first. The second guy, second. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Even though they've just done something absolutely phenomenal, and that's basically what Nick Chubb did, and really did coming back off a you know quite a, a very serious knee injury and, and and by all reports still wasn't back to 100% of his right. physical capabilities either so incredibly excited to see what a year, a year of NFL strength and conditioning and rehabilitation all of that goodness that the Browns have got at their disposal can can do for Chubb and see him continue to grow and, and really take a, a next step to becoming you know one of the one of the best running backs in the NFL in my opinion
0: I hope he sneaks up on people this year, too, because it's funny going back to the Debbie Leagues. And uh, at one point, Nick Chubb was talked about as the number one asset, you know, the number mm-hmm. one guy, the best running back in college before the injury. And it wouldn't have been surprising to see him be where Saquon Barkley was um, in the draft. And he certainly n- never lost that talent, uh, but he did get hurt and kind of fell off the radar a little bit. Um, yeah. So we're I think all Browns fans are excited about Nick Chubb, um, less so the rest of the division.
1: <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> well well. speaking of the rest of the division let's move on to one of the divisional rivals uh the, the the team that plays in purple the Baltimore Ravens and it's it's been all change for them over the last sort of eight months obviously they've moved on from Joe Flacco now and they brought in Lamar Jackson new offensive coordinator and Greg Roman and just a ton of off offseason moving and shaking now talk about divisive quarterbacks Lamar Jackson splits opinion like like nobody else and I'm I like Lamar Jackson I really do think mm-hmm. the kid, kid can play I think potentially I've, I've you know I've also been scarred I'm a, I'm a Florida State fan and I watched him do all kinds mm-hmm. of unspeakable right. things when he was playing <laughs> playing for Louisville against FSU so maybe my opinion is a little bit bit biased there But I think he's a competent passer. I think people make out like this kid can't throw at all. But over his entire collegiate career, he showed progression in his accuracy each season. You know, he wasn't the worst passer last season. And I don't know what people expected. They brought him in and really all they did... Uh, when he was in training camp, was install him in, in gadget type plays, bring him in on the center to get a carry and put Joe Flacco at wide receiver. That's getting creative, <laughs> guys. I mean, in, in, incredible. It's it's it was infuriating to see. And then they, you know, Flacco gets hurt. They bring him in. They're like, okay, now here's what are we gonna do? Let's let's manufacture some some plays on the on the fly mm. for you. So, and despite all that, you know, he led. You know, from from when he came on, he led the NFL in. Points per drop back, fancy points per drop back, right? He came in. He he never scored fewer than fifteen point eight points in a game. He averaged around seventeen points. And um, I think you know, with with a full off season, getting more comfortable in the in the offense, getting some weapons around him as well because he didn't really have much. He had the ghost of Michael Crabtree, John Brown, who I really like. I think's a very talented player, but just didn't didn't they weren't on the same page. So I think there's a lot to like about this Baltimore offense, in in particular Lamar Jackson. So are you guys are you guys with me? a pro Lamar or are you, you anti anti-Lamar Jackson?
0: I hate the I hate the Ravens, I refuse to say.
1: <laughs> you play played in the fifth there. <laughs>
2: Well, I'm pro Lamar. I, I do think he can develop as an NFL quarterback, as far as the uh, you know throwing goes. Um, yeah. I mean, you, know, you can't really just drop a quarterback as dynamic as him into a offense built for a Joe Flacco and expect results. <laughs> True. You know, expect well, positive results. Square
1: peg and round hole, right? Yeah, it's like
2: <laughs> you know, you you have a more mobile quarterback. You do have a quarterback who. Maybe has some issues throwing down the field. Um, that Joe Flacco didn't, but Joe Flacco's also not accurate down the field either. So <laughs> that's a good reason. That's a big reason why he doesn't have a job right now. Myth busted. But, um, he cannot throw the ball down the field. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The ball goes down the field, but it doesn't go down the field accurately.
0: Where it's supposed to go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, I really I like this this kid's ability to run. I do worry about injuries. Um, if he's yep. going to be you know running that much yep. um this season, um, I'm really hoping they install a, an offense that um, takes advantage of his uh, throwing abilities. I think there is some there, and I think that you know they brought in some uh, young receivers that he's going to develop chemistry with over time. So I'm really not expecting a whole lot in the passing game this season, but next season he could really uh, break out. A desirable guy to have
0: in, in fantasy for sure. I don't know if he's ever going to be that guy that, um, you know, a Barry Sanders at quarterback where just the team never wins, even though you have this, you know, super talent on your offense. Um, and I know there are quarterbacks like that too, that just, you know, they were great, but just didn't win. Um, I, I feel like he's a, he's fantasy relevant. Um, you know, maybe not so much for helping the the Ravens down the line. And I do worry about the injuries too. I've talked about that before. He runs more like Robert Griffin, the third, instead of, you know, like Baker Mayfield or Mitch Trubisky, Russell Wilson, where they avoid trouble and the big hits. I mean, he he's fearless. He just runs right at you, like right up the middle like a running back and, you know, jumping and diving and, you know, trying to leap over people and just these really, you know, like a much like a, a great running back would do. And I don't know how long you can hold up in the NFL at quarterback. So I'm sure we're going to see injuries from him. In the meantime, I think he's just a desirable get, especially, you know, a, as my second guy or something like that in best ball. But I don't have a lot of shares of him. Uh, because I do worry about the long-term success of him. I do think while he's in the game, super, super fantasy points. I just don't really like him as an NFL quarterback. So, you know, uh, that's just a totally different story.
1: Yeah, that, that's fair enough. And, and one of the best balls I'm about to wrap up, I went with Lamar Jackson and, and Josh Allen as my, as my quarterback. Oh, yeah. oh. So I'm really, really hoping for the uh, for the Konami codes to, to kick in for those guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Once one, one thing I will say about Lamar Jackson there, and I do take your point, Jeremy, about him being fearless and really not afraid to take contact. But one thing I did notice, because I was super excited to watch him play, I wanted to, to watch as much as possible. For a, for a slight guy, when he doesn't want to take contact, he's incredibly efficient at Flipping, minimizing yeah. the contact and, and making himself small and getting through. He, he really is good at that but but as you said he will also seek out contact he does seem a little bit crazy and he will will you know dive head first into an into an opposing defender it's to try and get the yard but if if he yeah. if he falls back on that natural ability to avoid taking contact and they you know they coach him up and like you know we know you can do this but we need you to uh, not not do this please and preserve mm-hmm. yourself i think he he will be able to you know, skate, skate by remaining mobile, but, but avoiding injuries. But that will be a big if, if he, if he, if he, if he learns before he gets hurt.
0: Yeah. Well, we have to be fair to him too. And I, you know, we're at, we work at dynasty football factory and they just put out that factory rookie guide. And I didn't mean to plug anything today, but it's like 10 bucks for that rookie guide. And it's just jam packed full of information and data and valuable things um, for all fantasy dynasty, even Please don't no, plug toward, away, plug away. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even though it's geared more toward redraft. Well, I edited the entire thing. I, there were other editors involved. They did the final proof of this thing and I read through it. And I was actually surprised by some of the valuable insight in there. And, and this, in fairness to, to um, Lamar Jackson, uh, once they plugged him in the offense, um, you know, we took over in week 11, averaging 19.77 fantasy points per game. Over a full season, if you extrapolated that, you know, of course, you can always say that, right? But if he were able to maintain that kind of average over a full season, it would have made him the quarterback nine in average scoring per game, which that's huge. I mean, you know, you're talking about a quarterback one on that pace. And he wasn't, like you said, throwing the ball very much. I mean, this was with his legs. This was in a very vanilla sort of bland, almost at times silly offense, like you pointed out earlier. Uh, That's I mean, if he can improve upon that. You, know, you might be talking about a perennial, you know, quarterback one in, in fantasy football.
1: Yeah. I mean he's a perfect late round quarterback target this season. This season yeah. in redraft. And I think one of the players that is gonna be ben- benefited by the presence of Lamar Jackson and his mobility is Mark Ingram. And this is a guy that I love for this year. I think Mark Ingram is gonna go absolutely off. And I i I'd like him to finish Reed. I'd like him to finish as a, a top twelve running back this season based on volume. He's a three down back you know he's 30 years old that concerns some people but for the past few years he's had pretty minimal tread on those tires he's been playing second fiddle to to Alvin Kamara and, and people tend to forget but there was when Alvin excuse me Mark Ingram was quote unquote the lead back he would get in Sean Payton's doghouse and not mm-hmm. get touches for weeks at the time. <laughs> yeah. Now get like back was, out of that doghouse. was yeah. maddening to own at times a few years ago. You're like, yes, this is the lead back on the Saints offense. It's going to be money. And <laughs> then some other scrubs would be put in by Peyton. <laughs> I can't remember the names of the guys who were stealing touches, but it was absolutely, absolutely infuriating. And one of the things that gives me hope for Mark Ingram, and and shout out to uh, one of your fellow Cleveland Browns fans uh, Curtis Patrick for this nugget he tweeted out a a, a few days ago that Greg Roman has as the offensive coordinator has had his his offenses have been top three in rush attempts in four out of six seasons Mm -hmm. and top 10 in all six top four in rushing yards five out of six seasons top eight in all six top six in rushing touchdowns, four out of six seasons, and a Roman-led offense has never finished higher than 29th in the league in pass attempts. So I think we know where this is going.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. I'm with you on that, uh, on Ingram. He's a huge value right now too. Um, I'm not as... Uh, I, I I can draft pretty well. I don't have the the kind of experience that Brad does with 400 of them before the season starts uh, in best ball. That's, that's that's wild. I still can't get my arms wrapped around that. That's crazy. But... um. I came into this draft with a little different strategy that I'm doing right now on play draft. And, um, I came away at 2.8 with Nick Chubb, you know, ironically, right. And then, and Mark Ingram at 5.5. So I didn't go with running backs high. I went with running backs, um, you know, that are basically lead backs on their team who can both have incredible seasons this year, um, a little bit lower, you know, and went with other positions, you know, tight end wide receiver, uh, just to see how things would go, you know, and, uh, you know, I I think in the fifth round, he's still a value there um, halfway through the fifth round.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I scooped him up around that range in in the Scott Fish Bowl as well. I was very, very pleased with that, Brad. Brad, what's your your percentage of of uh, Mark Ingram looking like?
2: <laughs> and he well, knows too. He can tell you exactly how much he owns of each player. It's uh, you know, well, I'm looking at uh, looking at the draft. At it's not going to be very high. I don't have very much Mark Ingram because I actually uh, what? around the fifth fifth round, I'm usually drafting um, um a tight end. So yeah, so I'm I'm really you know I'm I I yeah we're not yeah we're looking at like less than five percent so right? <laughs> unfortunately which I'm is not... still a lot of drafts by the way five percent of a big numbers is, is a big number well yeah, it's it not something I'm avoiding but like I said um usually in that target range I'm looking for a you know you know you know Evan Ingram you know Hunter uh, Henry you know mm-hmm. things like things of that nature right so tight ends so
1: just just as a a little aside there since since you mentioned it is that sort of being your is that your go-to strategy is is load up on uh running backs and receivers in the first four rounds and then hit a tight end that you think will will break into the into the top three come into the season is that sort of the, the way you're going
2: um yeah that's you know i usually target um two running backs out of my top five um Tight end is you know you've got some guys that can uh, that that can pop this year, and you got some guys like uh, Ertz and Kittle that could see a little bit of a drop off. Um, so yeah, I think you got some value at tight end where you can like that's going to be a position where you can actually get some value in the mid mid rounds. So uh, yeah, I'm, that's just happen happens to be my strategy. So when I if I'm taking a running backs in the first like say three picks, two out of the first three. That doesn't really leave me much of a room for a running back in the fifth round. So, yeah, Ingrams kind of fell off that way.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But uh, but uh, in traditional red redraft leagues, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a lot of uh, of Mark Ingram. I'm mm-hmm. I feel confident enough in you know to either go in on a on a top tier tight end or or be able to to you know Frankenstein together a serviceable tight end on a I like that week to week basis. I you know Austin Hooper is a guy I like this season oh, and and a- another guy. Uh, <laughs> since we're talking about the Ravens yeah, I was say, little Mark- segue, Mr. Mark, Mr. Mark Andrews. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I, again, going back to one of the best balls I'm doing, my tight end trio is Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and Joku, uh, Mark, Mark Andrews. So I'm pretty, pretty pleased with, with that, nice. with that grouping, but really excited for Mark Andrews uh, this, this season, Hayden Hurst, I think it's just that you know he's a better NFL player than he is a a, a fantasy asset. Obviously, Mm -hmm. the Ravens felt that way, considering they drafted him in the in the first round last year. But he, you know, he's a really good blocker. I think that's going to help Lamar Jackson. It's going to help Mark Ingram. But you know, Mark Andrews, how are you guys projecting him for this season? Uh, I think he could be, you know, the primary target for Lamar
0: a steal. I mean, like uh, they have 950 tight ends in Baltimore and yet Mark Andrews still stands out among the rest. They're like the Patriots of tight ends. The Patriots have 830 running backs. and um, But yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a tremendous value. Um, you know, I, I can't speak intelligently about what I project him to be. You know, if they ever lean on one tight end there in the passing game, I think he's going to be incredible. I think he has. Um, and the irony is
2: that he was drafted after Hayden Hurst, but he's definitely the guy to own for sure. Yeah, and I think we're looking at Hayden Hurst. Um, you know, they they've asked him to put on weight, and they yeah, so the that, block, that yeah, that indicates to me that they're going to be using him mostly as a blocker. Um, I mean, in off- your
1: old age, your metabolism does slow down, and it's easier <laughs> to put on weight as well. So. I, feel, I feel
0: like he's talking about me.
1: No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, and the, the the also the uh, soft tissue injury to the foot, um, you know, that's that's an ongoing issue, and especially if they're having you put on weight, that's usually something you don't do when you have soft tissue injury uh, <laughs> pro- mm-hmm. problems. So yeah, I, I look at Mark Andrews as a very good piece. Um, you can get him pretty cheaply. I think yeah. what eleventh, twelfth round. I mean, I mean, am looking at.
1: A fancy football calculator right now. He's in the top of the fourteenth round. Like,
2: yeah, you know, that's you know, crazy.
1: After Jordan Reed, like, what? Yeah, you know why, that, yeah,
0: exactly. No. Guy that's one one head
1: hit away from retiring. Doesn't yeah, make sense. I mean, I like, oh, no. I, I like, I like Reed as a late round five But Mark Andrews has no right. business being drafted behind no. him and no. and behind. I, who is doing these mock drafts? <laughs> Will 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 Lutz and the Dallas defense are being drafted ahead of Mark Andrews.
2: <laughs> That's just wrong.
1: That's wrong. Yeah,
2: the the value there was tremendous. You could you could get away with drafting him in the tenth round and come away with value. I I just love that pick.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have a lot of Mark Andrews shares this season. Uh, in terms of the wide receiver core, the Ravens pretty pretty raw, pretty um, you know. Youthful as as a rule, I tend to avoid rookie wide receivers mm-hmm. in in, in redraft. I, I put a piece out at, at for DFF a few weeks ago, and through through my research, I found it's about twenty percent of the time rookie wide receivers actually return on their on their preseason ADP. So not a good hit rate at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that concerns me. But having said that. Someone has to catch passes. Now, I know there's not going to be a ton of them. We know right, as I said before, <laughs> Greg Roman led offense has never finished higher than 29th, but that still has to be a few hundred passes. And they can't all go to Ingram and, and Mark Andrews. So you'd think following the draft capital, Hollywood Brown is going to get involved. He and then and obviously Miles Boykin is there. But Willie Sneed could be the uh could be the other sneaky option. He's sort of the the last last man standing of the previous uh wide receiver grouping who out of the the wide receivers in Baltimore uh, are you guys targeting
0: i'm only sneed i mean that's uh really the guy I and mean, he's done it before he'll do it again um brown well the rookie brown i think he's got a long road ahead of him even if he is slotted in maybe as one of the starters i really liked jordan lastly last year um he's a guy that i took in a lot of drafts really late and um you know, just kind of stashed him on tax or whatever. So I, I think he can still develop and become a starter for that team. But I don't really have confidence in anyone um, with this passing offense with Lamar Jackson other than Snead because he's kind of that steady Eddie. He's fast enough getting open, can play more than one position. But long term, I'm excited, you know, in Dynasty Leagues for Miles Boykin because I think he's just kind of like flying under the radar still you know, closer comparably to, uh, what could be a wide receiver one, like a DK Metcalf than he is to being just, you know, that, uh, low round drafted guy that didn't develop in college. I think he's, um, the one who gives me the most hope for their offense in the future. And I think it's just a matter of time beca- before he becomes a, a leaned upon starter there. And i by no means think here, Marquise Brown are going to do that this season, but I, I think we will in dynasty league, see him develop and become their maybe wide receiver one.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, uh excuse me, Miles um, Boykin is just, if you built a wide receiver in a yes. lab, it, it'd probably <laughs> look like Miles Boykin he's just his testing was absolutely off the charts he he didn't really as far as i understand correct me if i'm wrong here but he didn't really put it all together in college until his his final season that was sort of when it all came together but also you know similar to where he finds himself now he was playing with almost a running back at quarterback for a lot of a lot of uh, his (laughs) his collegiate career there at notre dame as well so yeah you know he's he's mm-hmm. used to, he's used to that. so that's that's one thing one thing he's got going in his favor, but definitely like him as a as a dynasty dynasty stash. Brad, are there any of the, the wide receivers that you've found yourself you know targeting later on?
2: Um I have Willie Sneed in a few places. um the only other um wide receiver I'm looking at, you know after Boykin and Sneed as possible breakout contenders in this offense is uh chris Moore. I'm um, not yeah. getting any, not really getting any uh, looks, but he's 26 years old. Uh, he's had some time with the team, and uh, you know he could be he could develop into the wide receiver too in that option in that offense, and could be a tremendous asset that you can pick up for free on the waiver wire. Yeah, he is free. It's true. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. he does develop. Man,
0: could you imagine the return on investment for that guy?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I imagine that that's somebody we're we're going to be looking at on looking for on the waiver wire here in probably week six. you know. I'm writing that cool. name down right now. And tomorrow morning
1: when I get into the office and I'm supposed <laughs> to be reading my emails, <laughs> I'm going to be scouring the waiver wires for all my dynasty leagues and seeing where, where Chris Moore's up to and, and see if he's, if he's uh, knocking around for free. And hey, I don't dis- forget Michael
0: Floyd's on this roster. Remember that guy?
1: What? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <play it>. Yeah. <laughs> He actually is on the roster though. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: well, he's, he's on the roster.
1: Is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think he's- no.
2: So wow. that's, that's, that's what you call a real, you know, long shot, but yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, that guy, did the, that guy did the rounds for a moment. I remember he was, <laughs> he, he was like locked in as a Cardinals receiver. And then he was just, you know, he had the, the DUI incident and he was just hopping into bed with everyone. It was. Yeah. It
2: was, <laughs> Great analogy. Yeah. It was crazy. Hey? It yeah. Was crazy. He had a, uh, didn't he have a problem with kombucha at one point, <laughs> where, where he was, uh, you know, no. he, he failed a, uh, you know, like an, an alcohol check because he drank too much kombucha. Yeah, I, I saw. <laughs> I, saw I, I, yeah,
1: I saw someone. Someone uh, presumably, you know, who under, understood the calculation, calculated how much kombucha would have to drink in a sit, and it was like hundreds of liters in a space of thirty minutes. Yeah, there's like, no way. Yeah, he, don't blame he kombucha. He would have he would have drowned in kombucha before he got drunk.
2: <laughs> still one of my favorite stories because it, it it's almost completely benign
0: you know? <laughs> yeah, like eddie lacy benign cheeseburgers and chinese food like, that's yeah. how i got so huge guys
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah paul, paul michael Floyd, he sat down and he's like just channel surfing he's got a pizza and he absent-mindedly drank a beer oh shit i got <laughs> i gotta piss in a cup tomorrow jeez oh dear poor oh, michael poor floyd. michael floyd i can't believe i can't believe he's probably- on the roster and and mike wallace isn't like I, right. I'm, I'm i guess what? yeah what is it i thought mike wallace would at least get a get a shot somewhere somewhere that needs right. a, a field stretcher we'll see maybe uh-huh. he's doing the whole i'm gonna sit out all of the work and and roll roll in a couple of weeks before well, we'll i don't I
0: think i just did you a favor though man and the saturation that is podcasting right now i guarantee you you're among the very few that are going to mention michael floyd um on the podcast this week <laughs> so
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: i'm gonna have to you, dm the guys at clipcast
2: and, and get the show yeah, that's what i was there. just gonna say yeah <laughs> there's a michael floyd
0: sighting
1: <laughs> he lives
2: if michael floyd does anything this season you get to you get to bring this back up yeah yeah i'm gonna be yes. running,
1: running laps with you guys around twitter really that annoying dick who runs victory laps
0: <laughs> i know what's with that everybody gloating all the time come on the be worst, honest.
1: The, yeah the, the worst the worst is when the victory laps because of injury and you're like oh right yes. yeah i told you so i i knew we'd get hurt oh did you did you or is it just <laughs> yeah. yeah did you did you <laughs> did you know that? that's yeah. so silly and then also just, it just it this seems guy so wrong yeah it's horrible you're like celebrating this it's this, the this season of this guy's career getting cut short you're like come on man have a little bit of have a little bit of class about you and speaking of class or lack thereof let's move on to the pittsburgh steelers
0: oh Hello. good
1: play <laughs> I'm a I'm a Patriots fan, and I'm so excited for the week oh. the week one matchup Steelers at the Patriots, which I oh. which is going to be awesome Monday M- Monday Night Football, I believe as well. Or or oh, that's Sunday, a good no, it's one. Sunday. I think it's Sunday Night Football, and then and then there's a couple of good games on on Monday Night as well as a a doubleheader. But the the, the Steelers for 2019, obviously some big changes. The departure of of Antonio Brown. They were, you know, incredibly fantasy relevant last season. James Connor was a crazy value, as was Jalen mm-hmm. Samuels when you scooped him up, and 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 AB and, and Juju both finished inside the top ten. Just just a wild season for fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy production. Big Ben seems to be massively undervalued this season yet again. Um, I'm not sure why, but <laughs> he seems to be a a, a a particular bargain in drafts considering you know, he still has got quite a few weapons at his disposal and they're going to throw the ball
2: a lot. Oh yeah. They're absolutely going to throw, you know, eat, eat, not quite, uh, and Andrew looks, uh, 50, uh, <laughs> attempts a game, <laughs> but yeah, I, am anticipating, you know, an average of 35 attempts, you know, up and up in the, to the low forties for, uh, you know, Roethlisberger to k- just keep chucking that ball because everybody on the, on the offense can catch. You know that's the best. That's the best part about their offense. It keeps you keeps uh keeps you kind of guessing uh, who's going to be uh the target target du jour uh you know of Big Ben that week.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I, I can't see him throwing six hundred and seventy five times <laughs> again. I mean that was just ob- obscene. But I you yeah. know I think I think low six hundreds is definitely in the you know on the on the more probable side of his his range of outcomes. So I, I really like Big Ben this season. Uh, love Juju Smith-Schuster. I have no concerns whatsoever about him stepping up nope. as the quote-unquote wide receiver one. Uh, just you know, in terms of adjusted age production, historical, he's only I think forty catches. Is it forty? No, four hundred yards away from from breaking uh, the yardage record under the age of twenty-three, which will which will mm. inevitably happen this season. Crazy. So, I mean, it's yeah. taking whenever you take a record off Randy Moss, you have to go. Oh, okay. I think i think there's something special something yeah, special about this take kid. It seriously so really excited for him and you know i'm i'm definitely not a projections guy i like to have a little play around with numbers particularly if i'm either you know answering a specific question someone has or or doing something for for an article and you know last year the market shares for for those guys ab and juju were very similar ab had 168 targets juju 166. Mm-hmm. now we they had the ridiculous number of pass attempts, as I mentioned before, and I think Juju's market share will go up, but I actually, I don't think his raw number of targets will go mm-hmm. up. I, I think, is yeah, I think the, the passing attempts will come down and he'll see probably a similar number around that that 160 range, which will, will be very healthy, healthy for him um, again in 2019.
0: Yeah, I oh, can't disagree that. with that. I'm excited about the their offense, even though I hate the Steelers as a Browns fan. Um, and they always seem to draft players that I like too. Speaking of which, Deontay Johnson just this year, I, you know, wrote some things about him in the offseason and, you know, following him at Toledo. Just a great, a great receiver to add to that. Kind of like the the doppelganger for Antonio Brown, or um, you know, maybe an arbitrage play after having lost him. He seems to fit the same mold. Not not going to play the same role at first, but. Um, I I, I like his long-term, but the the Steelers always have this knack of getting players that I uh, love, like Cameron Hayward from Ohio State and just on and on, and and it doesn't end Juju Smith-Schuss or Deontay Johnson. So I end up owning more of the Steelers in fantasy football over the years than the Browns, of course, and now that's kind of changed because, of course, the Browns have
1: improved. But I was going to say there's a reason um, for that. Yeah. If you're a a competent fantasy football player, that would be the case. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: think that's why I got so um, into fantasy football is because my, my own home team was so bad for so long. I had to just like players and they weren't on my team. So, hey, let's you know just keep playing more in fantasy football to, to fill that void. But <laughs> I like their long term prognosis better than short term. I don't expect Big Ben to do as well as he has in the past for a multitude of reasons. But he's always kind of been that value. Turns out to be a, a high end, you know, quarterback one from that spot. Um, but you know, Dante Moncrief and Eli Rogers—not um, not a lot of confidence in those players. Well, Moncrief can catch some, you know, passes and make some big plays. I I don't see him as being anything tremendous for that team. I, I think Washington needs to, to come through this year for them in order to have a, a really good passing game. And I think Deontay Johnson will develop as you know pretty quickly as well came in ready to play. So those guys are ready to contribute a little bit. So I I think you're right in that, you know, this team's not going to suffer with Antonio Brown. They already showed that they're not going to suffer in the absence of Le'Veon Bell uh, with Connor in there. And, you know, uh, Brad and I talked at length about this before, about how we expect Connor to just pick up where he left off last year. You know, Samuels is already involved in the game. Um, You know, they have Benny Snell for insurance, but Connor's still going to be, you know, that, that running back one, you know, three downs and, and hopefully they probably won't run him into the ground as much as last year, but I expect the same kind of points out of that player as last year.
1: Right. And I was just listening to um, <clears throat> Matt Waldman's podcast before, and he uh-huh. was break, breaking down his projection projections for the Steelers in 2019. And Oh yeah. He, what did he say? He, He had a huge workload penciled in for for James Connor. Uh, You know, over 40 plus receptions, 250 plus carries, 280 carries. He was looking at, you know, 350, 380 potential total. Touches. Maybe like, that math doesn't work out, but it was it was it was a it was a high number. He wasn't concerned about Jalen Samuel in the in the run game at all. I think there's a few scenarios where you see both of them on the field at the same time. I think could be could be interesting. But definitely he, mm-hmm. he was of the opinion that Jalen Samuels will be involved more in uh you know, definitely in the passing game, but in they just want to get the ball to him. So a few gadget plays here and there, but it's very much James Conner's backfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you were
0: telling me something about Samuels that was pretty, in, sorry, pretty interesting. I didn't mean
2: to cut you off. You were probably just going there to say
0: it. I'm sorry, but
2: <laughs> what about uh, Samuels? I think he got kind of morphs into an almost an H back role there. I I think that's going to be an interesting uh possibility. I think he's going to end up taking more work away from say Vance McDonald than he will um, Connor because I think that they're going to work him into the passing game. I think that's you know they got his coach from uh from college. Mm -hmm. um tight ends coach Stowe. you know from college to uh you know run the tight end uh run the uh running backs actually he's the running back coach now and uh so he's got a lot of options there on the offense and uh i think they're gonna you know spread the ball around a little bit that way
1: yeah i I can see that happening Now you're breaking my heart saying he's gonna be eating into vance mcdonald's
2: Target well, unfortunately Vance McDonald's got another one of the, you know he's another one of those players that's unfortunately an injury risk. Yeah, he is yeah. he yeah. is unfortunately.
1: Yeah. I would love to see him play a full 16 games on that on that offense with all of the targets that are up for grabs. It could be it could be something something crazy, but I think I think you're right. You do have to whenever you're you know sort of mentally projecting what his upside could be, you have to dock him yeah. to at least two three games that he's going to miss because of injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
0: think Snell becomes more of the handcuff for Connor. I mean, he can do a multitude of things, and so if Connor were to get injured, he he might be the guy to actually take those um, the multitude of the reps anyway as like the running back one after that. But Samuels is in the game regardless, um, and just maybe going to get more playing time if something were to happen to Connor. But he's definitely the guy that you'd want. You know, I don't buy into you know um, grabbing handcuffs, and so um, you know in this season if you're just playing season long or whatever, Samuels is definitely the player that you want to grab.
1: Yeah. Without question, because I hope on any given week, he could have that standalone value in addition, in addition to Conor as well. So that, 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 that could be, that could be really nice. And circling back around to Juju that, I really hope he continues to line up in the slot, you know, the majority of the time, I think it was, you know, nearly 60% last season. Hopefully that will continue. And some of the guys that they've got, you know, Moncrief is an outside guy, James Washington, from everything I've seen and understand, he is more of an outside guy as well. So hopefully that, that continues. Um, And, and Juju gets plenty of, plenty of looks, looks in the, in the slot. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it, it will hurt the overall efficiency of the offense, I think. Losing Antonio Brown, I don't see how you can lose a player of that caliber and it not hurt the yeah. offense. Yeah. But I think I think there's enough pieces there, and Big Ben is a good enough quarterback to to you know, not feel that massively. And uh, hopefully, you know, by midway through the season, the, 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 offense starts to get firing and clicks. I think we could see another very potent Steelers offense. That's full of fantasy goodness and the defense oh, yeah. they've made. They've definitely made some additions, but the defense isn't going to improve magically overnight either. I mean, it was, it was woeful last season. I know they, they filled, they filled the need at, at, at linebacker with the uh, Devin, Bush was it Bush? Yeah, I always get the Devon, the linebacker Devon's confused. <laughs> you guys can't play the same position, have the first name, and be drafted near the same. Yeah, Devin Devon Bush, Just man. Yeah, Devon Bush, Devon White. One of one of the Devons is in is in Pittsburgh, so that <laughs> that, that should help because that was a you know a clear gaping need for them. But I I still don't think the defense is going to be any any great shakes, and the Browns and Steelers games could could be a, a lot of oh, fun yeah. this season oh yeah i think so and yeah. you're right on about the 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 steelers
0: buffering or uh, weathering antonio brown probably going to do so they, they've they always had good luck at wide receiver and replacing wide receivers you know they've done it time after time they don't pay the guys the big money they just reload uh, but there are at least 150 160 targets you know that antonio brown leaves behind somebody's got to catch those passes right
1: um, yeah ab- we'll absolutely see. absolutely and when, it, when the Browns play the Steelers this season, bet mm-hmm. the over. Just bet the over. <laughs> yeah, bet the over. Yeah.
2: I'm going to. I'm going
1: to. Yeah, smash the I, over. It,
2: it, at some point, I'm going to have to try to get into that game. And it's going to cost me a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> now oh, it is, yeah. You used to be able yeah. to go for practically free. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Uh, at my uh, wife's uh, wife's bank that she works at um, that, you know, she can get me free tickets, but I doubt that she's going to have to fight for him now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now there's a demand again. Come on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. It. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they will oh, be. Oh, the yeah.
2: energy
0: is so different now. You go to, go to the stadium and um, it's back. I mean, I went to the Cincinnati Bengals game. It was like December 23rd, whatever, a day or so, a couple days before Christmas and the energy was back. It was completely different than, you know, the previous season. I tend to go to like one game or something because, you know, I'm not going to drive two hours up there and spend all the money and like watch them lose in the fourth quarter, every game. Right. I can do that at home uh, (laughs) on my DVR play with the kids and just fast forward through the shitty parts and, you know, but yeah, it was, it was fun to be there again. And I think that's just great for the entire AFC North. I think it's amazing. You know, four competitive teams, Um, hopefully the Browns are the most competitive this year, like I keep uh, saying, but yeah, I think it's, I'm excited for football again. I would sit there and like watch some of the Browns games and Sunday night game that you alluded to, you know, tune into that because kids are going to bed and I can, I can watch it. Uh, Monday night game, maybe Thursday, but like the Sunday games, too busy with the family to really tune into much of that. I'm not going to waste the whole day, um, so I tend to watch a lot of highlights. Uh, but now I'm, I think I'm going to set aside three hours every Sunday again to watch the Browns. Man. You put and, the kids uh, in there, put the kids in their cage, and Daddy's watching the Browns.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that was That's one thing happened. that was so convenient about being a Browns fan is that I had that Sunday. You know, I had some time. Mm-hmm. You know, I had I had that yeah you know, three hours. I did three hours to kill. Yeah, I didn't want to think about football. You know, I mean, it's
1: pretty back. selfish of them to, uh, you know, make you care about the football again. You guys want never your Sundays get... back? I think you should complain.
2: They should trade Baker. Right, I'm gonna. You're you guys right. Your Sundays back. Yeah, I'm never getting my laundry done again.
1: You know? <laughs> right. Hey, man, you can iron while you're watching uh, watching football. <laughs>
2: getting nachos <laughs> all over my oh,
1: yeah. um and you know there's there's one one last team we we we've yet to 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 talk about the the, the red-headed stepchild of the the AFC North the oh, yeah. Cincinnati Bengals
2: red-headed stepchild of Ohio
1: football <laughs> <laughs> yeah true true there too both cases true <laughs> so I have no idea maybe you guys can educate me and, and our listeners as well how, what's what's is there a, like a, a geographical divide of why people support the Bengals how does it go down in in Ohio
0: well in Ohio it's dominated by by Cleveland Browns fans you know central Ohio the Cleveland Browns but I mean uh, Northern Ohio Cleveland Browns northeastern Ohio all over really uh, in central Ohio same thing but honestly there are more pittsburgh steelers fans in central ohio than bengals fans true uh, they yeah. sometimes would get greater um airplay here in the city and it, it's actually i mean people should be ashamed of themselves like you know if you're in ohio i'm not sure why you're a steelers fan if you're not from pennsylvania from pittsburgh area but but it is what it is they are like you said the redheaded stepchild of uh the afc north of ohio uh my wife's a fan of the Bengals. I'm a Browns fan. It, so that's that's a, a fun rivalry here at the house. But yeah, the Bengals are just kind of a, you know, that pocket of, uh, you know, Southern Ohio, Southwestern Ohio, that's in uh, Southeastern too, the, all over there in the Appalachian Hills. They, they like the Bengals uh, by and large too, but it's just a, a smaller pocket of Ohioans that are into the Bengals. I don't know why. I mean, if it's been, because they have been so bland for so long, I really don't know. I
2: and mean, folks from Kentucky love them too.
0: Yeah, right at the river because the stadium's like yeah. literally right yeah. across the river from Kentucky. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Half I, their you know, fans. I, I, I mean, <laughs> bland is the perfect way to describe them, right? You know, at least the Browns could lean into the the skids and em- embrace the, you know, the tanking, <laughs> the 0 16, we're garbage, paperback. I mean, the, the, the Bengals had just been middle of the road nothingness for so long should have been more competitive should have beaten the San Diego Chargers in that
0: playoff game at home and the Chargers came away from that and they're like you know what the Bengals didn't show us anything differently than Mm -hmm. we didn't see on tape all year who goes into a game coaching like that I mean you don't you have to step up your game a little bit but they they've had so much talent there come through there. free agents brought in and, and really been in place to be competitive, there's really no excuse. Hopefully this new coaching staff, and I'm optimistic for fantasy football, that Andy Dalton approximates what he was with Jay Gruden. Because when he had good coaching, when they had a good clicking offense, a balanced offense, uh, sort of a little West Coast spilled in there, Andy Dalton was very good for a few I years I believe he there. had a top five uh,
1: finish, didn't he?
0: Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, I expect to see that close again where Dalton becomes a huge value in fantasy football has a really good season uh I think they've got the right pieces in place and I'm not saying they're going to be like Rams light you know Sean McVay's coming into Cincinnati but any um, anything that's brought into you know inject some life into that offense they have the talent with AJ Green Andy Dalton Joe Mixon to be a great football team on offense they really do
1: yeah I would agree with that and speaking you know, of Speaking of wasted talent, uh, AJ Green, one oh. of the best receivers in the league, just yeah. so underrated. People, he's never in the discussion of who's the one of the best receivers in the league, and I'm, I'm only guessing it's because the Bengals are never on TV, and people <laughs> yeah. people don't get a chance chance to watch them. It has to be the only reason because he does things as well as any other receiver in the league. I mean, his. Since coming into the league, thousand yards seven touchdowns, 1300 yards eleven touchdowns, 1400 yards eleven consistent. touchdowns, thousand yards, thirteen hundred ten touchdowns and the one season he dipped below a thousand yards he only played ten games back to sixteen games a thousand yards and then obviously last season was a was a write-off, but he was well on his way again just this absolute image of consistency yes. incredible incredible talent and right now one of the absolute screaming values in in fantasy football 100% in, yep. in in all formats like i think he's going let me scroll back up here from the from the depths of the 13th and 14th round but it's insane he's, he's one of the
0: best talents st- in the league to be drafted that low in the
1: late 3rd round yeah the late 3rd yeah. round it's just it's crazy to me so it's crazy to me that he would uh he's he's going so low and and of course the narrative starts coming up oh he's injury prone well he's you know he's he's played a lot of games throughout his career and he's had one bad injury last year that right you know he's yeah he, 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 but the thing injury? is, his injuries haven't
0: been those that that worry you as a fantasy football player right. either because they're not like repetitive, soft uh, tissue injuries. I mean, last year's injuries kind of could have happened to anyone, freak injury. He's certainly, you look at the guy, I mean, seriously, see a picture of him. He does not look like a 30-year-old person. No. I mean, it kind of reminds me of Adrian Peterson, these guys that are just genetically superior, that their their appearance, their health after playing football for you know, 10 years, uh, their age belies, I mean, their their health and their their fitness belies their age. I, I think A.J. Green is one of, like you said, the best wide receivers in the league. Anybody who argues that's probably nuts. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That He is just not looked at. I mean, are they thinking this is Larry Fitzgerald, like on his last season? A.J. Green's yeah, I mean, not quitting
1: football anytime soon. No, that's, that's sort yeah. of the way that people talk about him. And you could feasibly go in with a with one of the, you get a, a top five pick in the in the first round of your your redraft leagues and come away with two potentially top ten mm-hmm. top twelve running backs and then come away with a with a top twelve wide receiver as well like that's that's it's, it's, it's cheesy. Hey man, I I really don't like you giving
0: away one of my strategies for free on your show. I know you're a worldwide <laughs> podcast and while people you know where you are don't play you know best ball people in the world who listen to your podcast certainly do so I, I Got so a bone to pick with you.
1: AD, like, do not draft AJ Green. He's all washed <laughs> and injured all the time. Right, that's where Andy we're saying, Dalton sucks. Just forget yeah. it. Don't, don't, definitely don't draft Andy Dalton. One of the best late round
2: quarterback values this year. Have you heard about their offensive line? It's a turnstile. Yeah, it's not good. It's yeah. not good. <laughs> oh man, we could really pour it on Vic. I like this. <laughs> Yeah, that's the only thing that concerns me with the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals right now is that their offensive line is you know, well crumbled. <laughs> we should just I had know, a recent yeah. reti- we just had a re- recent injury to a uh, to a rookie. We just had a uh, retirement that we we knew was coming, but still, you know, you're kind of hoping to point put it off when, once the rookie gets hurt. But, um, yeah, I think that, uh, they're going to be throwing and they're going to be throwing a lot you know? <laughs> and they're going to be throwing under duress. So I would expect to see, uh, Andy Dalton throwing out of the uh, shotgun a little more often this year. And, mm-hmm. uh, especially with this new offensive coordinator. So I'm looking, yeah, I think Andy Dalton can be a great value. You know, I've, I've taken him in some, uh, drafts where, you know, where I've gone, gone absolutely dirt cheap at, a quarterback, you know, waited to, you know, maybe the 16th round of some drafts, you know, and gotten Andy Dalton and been very, very happy with him.
0: Yeah, paying at the floor price and, and Joe Mixon too, speaking of the passing mm-hmm. game, that guy's going to catch a ton of passes this year, especially if they're playing out of the shotgun. I mean, I, he might touch the ball more, um, catching it than he does um, carrying it. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's probably going to be pretty balanced. But yeah, he's. I look for him to do better than he did last year um, in, in fantasy points and PPR. What well, was he was a running back one last year, um, just ahead of Tariq Cohen, I think, by maybe like less than ten points in the PPR that I play, and I think one point here. But you know, uh, there's no reason he can't uh, be ahead of James White and Melvin Gordon this year and, and be up there and you know closer to the top of this list, maybe even in. Into the top five, depending on how much love he gets in that passing game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm very high on Joe Mixon this year, and I'm just pulling up the the final standings on on Fantasy Pros. My internet's been very mm-hmm. slow here, but he missed time as well last year as well. He didn't play a full 16 games, uh, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, right. uh Where where is? I think he, he played 14 games last year. Joe Mixon, where are you? You're correct. Yeah, fourteen games just cracked a two hundred point threshold. He was four uh, averaged fourteen point three points per game. So, not mm-hmm. uh, electric by any means, but definite room for improvement uh, on the offense. Still, yeah. somehow managed to finish behind Kareem Hunt in the total standings, which just oh God, yeah. how ridiculous the Chiefs' offense is. Um, yeah as an as an aside, but yeah, definitely like the uh the upside for, for Joe Mixon this season. I think he's a, a talented three down back. As you said, the defense is atrocious. We've you know, they've they they lost some pieces. Vontez Perfect is in Oakland now. Uh did Adam Jones did he retire to Pac man
0: I don't know. They probably forced him to retire. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but you're not retired.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He retired. Then there was, a, they had another cornerback retire recently, I believe as well. And so, you know, they're missing some, some pieces on the defensive yeah. side of side of the ball, a lot of experience that goes with that. And, that- and, and also, and then they're, they're playing in a division, you know, where they're going to get matched up against the Browns twice, mm. the Steelers twice. And if if all things go well, for the Ravens offense, that's potentially six games that are gonna be high scoring. And I, yeah. I know that's sort of counterintuitive to what you think of as AFC right. North football. You think defense first, <laughs> you think running the football, cold weather, all that. But right right now on paper, these teams are screaming uh, you know,
2: <laughs> offense. So it's gonna offensive be offensive juggernauts yeah.
0: and not in a dome. They're not in
2: domes. It's well, I think I think the uh, Browns helped helped to break that paradigm of you know having us you know, these hardcore defenses by you know getting a quarterback like uh, you know Baker Mayfield who can th- you know throw the ball down the field. That's going to you know open up the scoring no matter what kind of defense you're you're putting in front of them. Yeah. So I just lo- I just love this uh division. Um, you know, for these head-to-head matchups. You're going to there's going to be some really good ones. I mean, you like we were talking about the uh the Bengals. The Bengals have such a bad offense. So I really think that that's going to help their scoring potential there in uh, in fantasy points.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And there's a couple more names we should uh mm-hmm. mention on the Bengals before we uh, wrap up the division. Tyler Boyd obviously had his oh, right. breakout last season. Yep. Um some of that did obviously coincide with with AJ Green taking, you know, missing time and missing half of the half of the season back half of the season. But, but, you know, Tyler Boyd showed that he can play and with him lining up in the slot, I think he's going to get a lot of favorable matchups throughout the season.
0: Oh, and A.J. Green, too. I mean, the fact that A.J. Green finally has somebody on the other side of the field that maybe can take a cornerback out of the picture. Seriously, A.J. Green gets double teamed so much. And now that they have finally a guy that seemingly can play wide receiver, I don't know why it took so long. (laughs) but um and and in fantasy he's valuable too but they have some decent depth pieces just to keep that offense chugging along if they have injuries and cody core josh malone i wouldn't say john ross because i think he was a wasted (laughs) draft pick um and and a running back too because joe bernard can catch passes travion williams rodney anderson that's a really good steal at running back if anderson can get healthy and stay healthy the talent that that guy has Mm -hmm. i mean they're they're definitely loaded um behind their uh lead running back and, and aj green at wide receiver on this team but I, I look for aj green to be more successful this year because boyd developed and um and 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 has that chemistry with a- uh, andy dalton finally the red rocket the red rifle <laughs> but um yeah i i think that, there, that there's going to be synergies and i think that boyd is um kind of being bought at his ceiling now though uh, whereas aj green is definitely not
1: yeah i, I would agree with that um that the price is <laughs> Just don't don't add up at all, which is which is really nice. And then speaking of uh, prices not adding up, although you could forgive people for not wanting any part of him, Tyler Eifert, if he if he. Who's the unluckiest man in football. There's no question yeah, about it. Man. I mean, what? These, these these aren't soft tissue. These are snapping, bro- breaking bones. This dude is, yeah. like it doesn't make yeah. any sense to have such horrific injuries. I mean, did you drink milk as a kid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never get calcium
0: yeah. or sunshine. No vitamin D. I just, why do you break like that? And he's this big, strong guy. He did so great in college. And he's been amazing when he's on the field, especially yeah. in touchdowns, in the red zone. And it's just a damn shame and fantasy for Bengals fans. I mean, how awful. I don't know what to expect from that guy. He's kind of a value. I mean, you can get him as, like, your third tight end, practically. And, um, you know, hopefully he can do something for the six games before he breaks his whatever bone.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a real reason why they picked up Drew Sample and with the third round. So, yeah, you know, yeah. because this- – you know unfortunately you can't rely on uh Eifert's health but on that note I do like Eifert in uh in, in in redraft um this year I you know I think he's going to be one of those guys that you can get very late yeah. you know and he's he's got a starting job <laughs> he's he's been good at it and as yeah. long as he's you know as long as he's healthy yeah you can get something out of him and you know the real the real problem with him in redraft is that he has no trade value
0: you know, right, yeah, nobody wants him, and and right. really, he's the reason why anybody knows CJ Uzoma's name because he's <laughs> not, I mean, he's Absolutely. he's a decent football player, but you know, he's not anyone that does anything particularly well at the same time. Well rounded guy, not to take anything away from him, I'm sure he's a great person, but you know, we know him because Eifert always is hurt, and I yeah. think that's another screaming value because it's a matter of time before Uzoma becomes fantasy relevant again and gets you your, you know, hopefully double digits of. Yeah. you know, every other week, and,
2: yeah, yeah. and a touchdown here and there. Yeah. Yeah. He's an automatic wire at about week eight.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did, can you, if you can set up auto tweets, can you set up <laughs> auto waiver wire claims? Uh, yeah. Week eight, them get now. me CJ. He's over. <laughs> yeah. Catch him in
2: after, after efort blew out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, poor it's Tyler. Sad. Poor, poor Tyler. It's a shame. Well, uh, you know, guys, I think that will do it for the AFC North this has been a, a hell of a, a lot of fun uh, talking all of these these different teams with you uh, before we go I know you guys have got your you know a lot of a lot of fingers in in many pies in the in the fantasy world so please take this moment to, to tell our listeners where they can find you what you're involved in and yeah
2: well I'll let Jeremy go first oh I'll let Jeremy he's got the he's got the longer resume. <laughs> That's not true, man. I just like to
0: be the funny guy, you know. So if you can't find me out there fly fishing or playing my guitar, I'm podcasting with Brad Rays at um, <laughs> at Best Ball Maniacs, which is a new podcast we started to cater to. Like um, was mentioned earlier, it's not the biggest market. We're hoping to hoping to change that. There's a lot of fun to be had in best ball, and we enjoy that podcast. Give it a listen. Also work at Dynasty Football Factory and um, big podcasts over there that we have fun on at Dynasty Trades HQ. And um, that that's it, you know, do a little write in a lot of editing because there's a lot of writing going on and um, you know, just have a lot of fun with
2: the guys at dynasty football factory. Give that site a a check um, as soon as you can as well. Yeah. And I'd like to talk about, uh, you know, best ball uh, maniacs a little bit. I think that, you know, I think there's a lot of carryover into regular uh, fantasy football, whether you're pl- playing for money, redraft EFS, whatever. I'm, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a really a good general show. We can, you know, we, we're we're not really uh, argumentative guys. We have a nice conversational style. I think it's a lot of fun. So yeah, you should probably give us a listen. I think you you enjoy it, even though this market is completely uns- underserved <laughs> by baseball. <laughs> Oh, and you have so much advice to give too. Not just saying yeah. that. Uh,
0: I know I don't have to um, do that because we're we're friends. But that that's true. You, and and the show does offer a lot of insight and into the various formats and different ways to handle things. And and the thing is, if you play any kind of fantasy football, you probably would enjoy best ball and the, the thing about it for me is the reason I like it so much is that it gives me a chance to get the players that I think are going to be really good and the ones that I like I can get those guys and not have to worry about making all those damn mistakes that I do set in my lineup every Sunday every Thursday and Sunday I, I, I typically do a not yeah. a great job of it at times and cost myself a season um, this you know takes the thinking out of it for me so um, get out there and do some best balls and check out Brad Ray's if you don't follow him already um, a, a, a genius among best ball
2: <laughs> right? That's what I want to say. Okay. That's that's well, thank you for the the lovely uh and <laughs> the, the lovely outroduction, I guess, there. Um yeah, you can find me at uh the Quant Edge. I actually do uh some draft work there too. And I also uh do, contribute to their, their best ball product. And uh my promo code there is TQE69 because you know, I love Gronk. <laughs> <laughs> I like, it, I like it. so if we have anything you're looking for at uh tqe unfortunately i don't think our best ball product will be much use for you <laughs> well, one
1: thing i will say there's a great tool over there at tqe i dabbled with it last season is the mm-hmm. wide receiver cornerback matchup tool that's, oh yeah uh, that's yeah that's that's something that'll yeah, help also. you with
2: your lineups and also the uh the, the replacement tool uh you know when you take a player out and you can see how he did in the off how the offense did without him. So it's, it's pretty yeah. good too. Very cool tools.
0: I appreciate drinking coffee with you guys. Normally on the podcast, I'm unwinding with, you know, a couple glasses of wine or a few beers, but this coffee really, I just, I want to keep talking about football for another hour and a half. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't
2: know. <laughs>
1: well, I would love to, but unfortunately I'm going to, you go, go get some 40 winks. I could got to go to work yeah. tomorrow, but you,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clock where you're at i'm really sorry about <laughs> <laughs> 11 30 your time
1: good job oh no this is this is this, this has been this has been a hell of a lot of fun so once again thank you very much guys uh you know you can find jeremy at dff underscore madman on twitter and you can find brad at mean mr mode on twitter as well which yeah. by the way i'd read as mr mean mode for the entirety of the time <laughs> i'd seen you on
2: twitter <laughs> The entirety, You're not the first you know, person to do that. You know, I'm sure That's I'm what happens it's all the your, time. Your, your brain do. just scrambles it. Yeah, an- every, I, everyone thinks that it's yeah, m- m- Mr. Mean, like I'm some kind of a you know a Twitter troll. No, I
1: just thought you were a dick.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it turns out that it was a uh, it's a Beatles reference. You know, Mean Mr. Mustard. Only I replaced it with math. You know, average Mr. Most common. So it's actually kind of a self dig if you think about it. <laughs> It's too
0: smart for most people. Yeah, say.
1: way
2: way way over my head. Stick to being a Twitter, Twitter troll. It gets a lot more play. <laughs> right, right. I I, I I love the leeway that having mean in your name gives you. Twitter troll. tough guy. He's a Twitter tough guy. No one, oh, yeah. no one wants to get a piece of that man. Oh, um, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: uh, yeah, once again, guys, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, yeah, welcome back anytime. This was a lot of fun. And yeah, we'll have to do this again for sure.
0: Great job, man. Thanks for having us. Love the show. Thank you very much. Keep up the good work.
1: All righty. Oh, usually we have some outro music, but James had to go deal with his kids. So uh, I'll just message him and tell him we're done, and he can yeah, come we'll add that later. <laughs> yeah, he'll come and uh, get the get the stop.